0: and welcome to The Supply Chain Podcast, episode 17. So we're kicking off 2021 with back-to-back episodes every week, so stay tuned to hear from the leaders and experts in the supply chain. Today, we're joined by Christine Barnhart, Senior Director at Infor for Supply Chain Strategy and Go-To Market Execution. We'll be discussing Infor's engagement with the healthcare industry, the current climate of the supply chain, which has been extremely stressed by COVID-19 so thank you so much for joining us say christine could you please introduce yourself and a little bit about your current job role
1: sure i am christine barnhart i've been with Infor for a little over two years um, and currently i'm responsible for our strategy in terms of supply chain um, so you know what are the solutions that we have how should we be talking about them in the market. And then I think more importantly, how do we ensure that we're listening to our customers and, and people in the broader supply chain ecosystem to really develop the right, right solutions for the future?
0: Amazing, thank you. And um, I suppose we've got the right person here to talk about the supply chain then. Well, I hope so, Emily. I have
1: about 20 some odd years of experience managing supply chains before
0: I came to Infor. So maybe. Oh, amazing. Yeah, brilliant. So I'm wondering if you could kind of discuss the current challenges that the supply chain is facing. Obviously, due to COVID, it's been such a big issue and disruption within the supply chain. They're extremely fragile. I'm just wondering if you can discuss the current challenges and maybe how do we face them?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting question. So I think the challenges probably haven't changed that much. I think our insight and our perception of the challenges is different. And and I think you you could argue either we've lowered the water line, so now we see the rocks, or maybe the rocks are bigger. Um, But I think it's, you know, similar challenges to what supply chains have been facing really for a very long time. You know, they... They don't know what's happening with their suppliers. They don't know, you know, when materials are going to be delivered to them. Um, They're not clear on what the demand is coming from their customers. Uh, Just a tremendous amount of volatility. um, And things within their enterprise that just are not built with flexibility in mind, right? Um, Fixed capacities, you know, um, potentially a a lot of, of debt. Um, So I think, you know, supply chain is even now still tasked with reducing cost, you know, increasing service to customers um, and reducing, you know, working capital inventory, things of that nature.
0: Yeah. And I suppose you said, like, we have to be more flexible within the supply chain. How are we doing this? Is this kind of technology that is helping us here? Customer demand shifting? What's going on with that? I think it's holistic. It's a uh, people
1: process and tools. So obviously I work for a software company very focused on solutions in terms of, you know, really making sure you have the right capabilities in order to have continuous planning or integrated planning across your enterprise. I think it's having, you know, advanced warehouse management, really being able to control labor and, you know, make sure that you can optimize your order fulfillment And then I think it's tools around what we would call sense and respond. So the ability to connect to your suppliers, connect to your customers, really be able to sense what's happening in your supply chain and then take appropriate action in real time. So from the solution side, I think there are a lot of really interesting capabilities that have come to market in the last couple of years. And then, you know, with that, getting the right people enroll, Um, you know, Gen X, the millennials, um, very tech savvy. They they don't want to work on post-it notes and spreadsheets. Like they're really demanding that companies, you know, provide better engagement. Um, And then I think it's the business process itself. And, you know, we've seen periods where it's, you know, kind of keep your supply base at arm's length and we're going to just hammer them for price. I think now especially with COVID what we see is an understanding that to be agile and flexible your suppliers have to be part of your organization. You you want to even though you aren't vertically integrated, you want to act like you're vertically integrated. You want to collaborate, you want to have really good communication. And again, that can't be emails and phone calls. So, you know, the development of multi-enterprise business networks And platforms that allow, you know, everyone to engage and have a single source of the truth, a single source of what's happening, not just within your four walls, but across your supply chain and and even into the broader value chain.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, There, you kind of touched on, you know, these younger generations. And I'm kind of wondering if they have an impact on the visibility and kind of transparency within the supply chain. Um, the kind of current trends that we're seeing within younger generations about sustainability? Is this something that impacts supply chains a lot? I think the answer is
1: unequivocally yes, right? So I think, you know, the the new wave of consumers, they want to understand, you know, where what they purchased came from. So they're very much demanding transparency from you know, the people that they're purchasing goods from. And then with that, I think the second part is not just where it came from, but what went into it. How might it not be as good for the planet, perhaps as a competing product, right? So they want to have, you know, that transparency to be able to compare, contrast, and I think make a, a really informed decision. So what that means for supply chain is know the data exists but it exists in silos and it exists in you know within an enterprise sometimes within a plant or you know within a farmer's field right the data isn't necessarily you know all in one place and at people's fingertips and so what we see is supply chains you know making investments um to improve it's a transformation though it's a journey it's it's not a destination and it's very complex with a lot of people, a lot of enterprises involved. So, you know, I, I think it'll take time to really get good, you know, that that kind of nirvana of from the farmer's field to my table. Uh, but, but but, we're getting there. I mean, obviously, you know, when you look at trends and you look at, you know, what's happening and and a lot of data that consumers can get to today.
0: And so kind of how are companies um, responding to this data? I mean, how do they handle it? Is this something that's a big issue because there's just an extreme amount of it? Absolutely. It's a key challenge. I have, you know, companies
1: say, I have a ton of data. I have no insights. And I think that's what's important. And that's where technology can really help you. Just building a data lake and shoving all of your data into the cloud does not tell you what you need to do to optimize your supply chain. And I think that's where, you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, adding that, not to replace your workforce, but really to let, you know, the technology provide your knowledge resources with data in a way that makes decision-making and provides that decision support much more effective.
0: Absolutely. And I actually have a statistic here, which kind of just um, puts into perspective the importance of data and technology. So it's from the World Resources Institute, which states that 9.8 billion mobile phones, 2,200 satellites and more than 25 billion other digital sensors are recording the social and economical changes. And I'm sure that due to COVID, this has just increased further and further. And what are your opinions on that? Yeah. I think it's, if you, if you look at it holistically,
1: it can be a bit overwhelming. And I think that is kind of where a lot of companies are. There's so much available to them. There's so much data. There are so many options that they often struggle with. How do I get started? And I think, you know, for me, what I, my advice would always be, you know, figure out where you are today and where do you want to be in a year? Like what, What's the low hanging fruit? And let's address those first. But let's have a vision for the future. Let's make investments for where we want to be in three, five, 10 years. And then you walk that journey like one step at a time. And, you know, I often use the analogy that I can eat an entire elephant one bite at a time, right? So a bit overwhelming, but one bite at a time. And I, I think that that's really how supply chains have to. Think about improvement is what's my transformation? Where am I today? And where do I want to be? And hopefully, they understand that where they want to be is in the continuous supply chain of the future where the lines are blurred between planning, execution, and that sense and respond. And everything's happening simultaneously and in real time across your value chain. That's really supply chain nirvana. And that's where you know, we believe that supply chains are heading.
0: Yeah, and I love that phrase, um, supply chain nirvana, and we'll also touch on later about continuous supply chains, but I'm wondering now how is it possible for supply chains to connect their multiple tiers um, and able to share real-time data and their digital information?
1: Absolutely. The the biggest enabler here has been the creation of multi-enterprise business networks, also known as MEBNs or supply chain operating networks. They've been around roughly in in kind of pockets for probably close to 20 years, but not widely adopted, right? And so, you know, what we're seeing now, especially with COVID, is people that they've been listening to the message of, I, you need a multi-enterprise business network, but they didn't understand what it meant. And COVID has highlighted that, that the companies that were integrated with their suppliers and with their customers, with their, their carriers, right, in a meaningful way have fared better. Um, having even a two-hour, you know, advance notice it can be, can be really, really helpful and save a company millions of dollars, as opposed to companies where, you know, they may have invested in an ERP, and that's great, or even an advanced planning system. But, you know, they're getting email communications when their supplier has an issue. And it could be not just that two hour delay, but a two week delay, at which point, you know, you just don't have the flexibility to really address it. So I think, Multi-enterprise business networks are foundationally what companies should be looking at to integrate with their supply base, with their carriers, the shippers, their customers in an efficient way in and in, in, in with meaning, right? So I'm not just connected. I can't just see, but I can communicate. I can collaborate. We can negotiate, right? I send you my PO. You look at it. I know you've looked at it. I can see that you you've opened it, right? And then you, as the supplier, can can come back and say, you know, I can't give you all of this that you want on this time frame. Let's split this into two deliveries, and I can you know either accept that or I can ask for something different. Um, the beauty of that, because it's happening in this network platform, is we're all working off of same a single data source, right? what they respond back to me and then what i respond to them the other thing that's really helpful is you now have a historical context and you can start to go back and do analysis to say well you know every single time that i issue a po to this supplier they ask me to make changes to it so you know what can i do to improve the efficiency and the effectiveness and stuff so that once you're connected there's just so much you can do to break down, not just the silos within your company, but between you and the people that help you make your business successful.
0: Yeah. Amazing. And that's a really interesting answer. Um, You kind of said a lot there in like a short amount of time. So kind of in the simplest terms, what is so important about being collaborative and connected within the supply chain?
1: Well, I think good collaboration with your suppliers helps improve the relationship, right? When you're clearly communicating your expectations, when you're giving them the opportunity to respond, um, that really supports, you know, really good fundamental supplier relationship management. Ultimately that results in better assurance of supply. So I think that's, that's one thing. I think the other part is when I start to gain real time visibility into what's happening with my supplier right so not just on the transactional side with orders but also with shipments oh hey guess what I got a quick ship ASN I know that this is getting ready to ship I know what carrier it's on I can start to track the movement and then I can prepare for receiving that shipment which means the truck isn't waiting for somebody to unload it. I can get it into my inventory very quickly. Or I see that there is a slowdown um, you know, at, a, at a specific port and maybe I can reroute the material somewhere else so that it doesn't impact either my production or my delivery to my customers. So I think you know, that's really kind of fundamentally where it all starts.
0: And is that part of what it is to be a continuous supply chain? It's foundational,
1: I think the continuous supply chain really involves more than just the ability to connect. Um, I think you have to layer on top of it you know functional excellence as well, so you know very strong planning tools and and planning processes where you know you're sensing demand, you're able to build demand plans align them across your company execute against them in terms of you know whether you call it IBP or SNOP Um, I think it also you know beyond that really good transportation management warehouse management so I don't think we're we're gonna lose the importance of functional excellence but I do think when you look at the continuous supply chain There's not hard lines between them. They're not siloed. There's this, you know, network between them that allows everybody to see the same data at the same time, which ultimately means you can make better decisions, faster decisions, more efficient um, way of operating.
0: Amazing. And um, before we kind of touch on the future, I'm wondering if we can kind of just talk a little bit more about COVID is there anything specifically that surprised you about COVID maybe had it been a catalyst for something, had it stopped something Um, just in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think it, it really highlighted the fragility if you will, in supply chains that we just completely take for granted, right? The food, the food chain, um, you know, household goods and products. So I think for a lot of us, we've never really, at least in the United States and and much of the developed world, we've never had to contend with at-shelf shortages of what we would consider to be staples, right? You know, toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning products. So I think it, it really focused people to say, wow, these things don't, just happen right like we actually have to you know make investments you know we have to make improvements so i I think for me that was the biggest thing it it wasn't that we had a pandemic i we've been due one i mean for it's been you know had been roughly a hundred years since we had had a global pandemic on this scale I, i think it was really more highlighting these things were kind of on the edge of the cliff and nobody knew it they didn't recognize it and then with covid it, w- it was just kind of this this deep dive if you will
0: yeah and i think what's really interesting is that um we in the uk had it you know toilet roll was just non-existent for a few weeks you kind of had to fight your way to get some and it kind of brought the supply chain down to like a public level if you will like people started to understand oh my gosh like you know this massive pandemic is the reason for the disruption within the supply chain. And it became this kind of thing that people were really aware of that maybe weren't so much. I think it's really interesting, like even my family discussing it. I totally
1: could not agree with you more, Emily. I think, you know, two years ago, if you told somebody that you worked in supply chain, 90% of the people on the planet would be like, well, what the heck is that, right? And I think now they're like, oh, supply chain, is what enables me to go to the grocery store and get the things that i need um and so it's it's i think from that standpoint it's been very good to really elevate the supply chain and the professionals that are really controlling much of what we have available to us on a daily basis
0: yeah and it kind of just makes you realize you might have been taking it for granted a little bit how much how easy it is to go to a local shop and get your you know staples And also I think it kind of relates to um, data as well. Like data came down to a public level where everybody was seeing all these statistics and graphs and things that were happening because of COVID and then it being translated into massive amounts of data. Everything is just like bringing down to a more public and understandable level. Uh, Do you agree with that? I do. I think,
1: I think that what we're seeing is that the transparency that that was already kind of creeping into everyday life really exploded because of COVID. And companies had to be transparent about what they were doing in terms of shipments, in terms of consumer products. And, you know, Amazon's a great example, right? Where, you know, they came in this year during that holiday season and said, we can't guarantee two-day shipping. There's too much stress on the supply chain. And I think people needed to hear that they need, they need to understand that there's a cost associated with having products available to you and getting them to you, you know, in a, in a specific time period and whatnot.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it was, it came at a good time where people were getting really used to being able to click a button and then something came the next day. It was kind of like that was now common to be able to, get next day delivery, you could pay extra and get delivery within 24 hours. Like that was something that was so common that now has been slightly disrupted. It's fine, obviously, it's not the biggest deal, but um, it's just interesting what it kind of does to the the public.
1: Agreed, totally agree with you on that. Even myself, I had become very complacent. I think the good part is that the technologies existed pre-COVID because it did help enable us to to stay at home and to to isolate in place. I think, you know, 20 years ago, this particular pandemic could have really have been much more detrimental just because people couldn't order things to their house, right? And they were really forced to go to the supermarket and, you know, other types of retailers.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really good point to kind of um – now focus on the future and kind of what after COVID and whenever that may be will bring for us. So I'm wondering if you can kind of touch on what you think is going to be the future of the supply chain.
1: I take a deep breath here because I think, I think it's going to be a while before supply chain gets there. So I absolutely fundamentally believe that we're moving towards the continuous supply chain and that the traditional functional lines that exist between plan and execution and sense and respond, that they they truly are blurring. However, I am pragmatic enough to realize that not all industries in all segments will really make that journey at the same pace. And And, you know, as an example, I would tell you, you know, we've had ERPs and we've had advanced planning systems for decades. And there are still companies today that manage their business on Excel spreadsheets. And so, you know, I think it'll be different for different industries and different companies. Some are much more progressive. We've seen, you know, a lot more investment as an example in high tech. I think COVID is now highlighting the need for investment not just in healthcare, pharmaceutical, but also in, you know, food and beverage and some of the consumer industries. I think industrial manufacturing will still follow a bit, but even there, companies are are starting to see the benefits that their peers in other industries are getting. And I think they're, they're more receptive to the discussion. So I think we see a shift to the continuous supply chain, ultimately, that leads to, you know, digitalized ecosystems and value creation, not just within a plant or within an enterprise or within an, a retailer, but really across that entire value chain, the entire ecosystem that has gone into, you know, designing, creating, building, delivering an actual product.
0: Right. Right. And um, I'm not sure if this is an unfair question. Tell me if it is. But do you think that the investments for the future will go into more of like a people side or like a technology side? Like which one needs to be further progressed?
1: I don't think you can invest in one or the other. I think you have to invest in both. Right. You know, you, you have to give your people the right tools, the right support. Because if you don't, and you make a lot of investments in other areas, and you can have great solutions, but if your people, are unable to really leverage those and to get the most out of them, then that investment is not going to return the value that you wanted. So I don't think that it's one or the other. I think it's both. And I think for every company, it may be, the mix may be a little bit different. It somewhat depends upon where they are today, right? What's their level of maturity today? Where do they need to make investments then to move forward?
0: So naturally, COVID nineteen has disrupted uh, many supply chains, and as well has kind of brought about the introduction of the healthcare supply chain to the more public eye in terms of PPE. Everybody needs to be wearing masks. You know, we need uh, ventilators in every hospital now. Um, I'm wondering if you can kind of touch on the challenges that are current in the healthcare supply chain sector.
1: Great question. First, I would tell you
0: that the challenges in
1: healthcare from a supply chain standpoint in terms of their supply base, very, very similar to the challenges we see across supply chains in general. It's, you know, what is on order? What is my supplier building? When am I going to get it? What is my demand? How am I going to fill that demand? So regardless of whether it's a mask, a ventilator, you know, some type of a therapeutic drug, those challenges remain the same i think what we're seeing however is a tremendous amount of interest you know a tremendous amount of research where the healthcare industry pharmaceutical companies um, wholesale distributors within healthcare are really starting to now ask questions about how do i improve my supply chain how do i get you know in front of what's happening so i can react to it so you know for us in particular some some really great discussions and and even implementations within that realm of uh healthcare distribution companies and um and pharmaceutical companies as well so i i think they're they're really trying to understand now how do i make it better how do I be proactive, how do I make investments now so that when we have the next disruption, regardless of what it may be, right? It could be, you know, global trade conflict, it could be political conflict, could be, you know, weather oriented, but those are going to happen, right? And so how do I learn from what's happening today and make the right investment for the future?
0: Yeah. And so what do you think of the biggest um, things that we as a you know, global healthcare um, supply chain have learned from the COVID pandemic?
1: I think that we have learned that we need to be transparent with each other. So with trading partners, right? We need to share data. Data is not power in, in silos, right? Data is powerful when we all have that information and can make really great mutually beneficial decisions on how to leverage the resources that are available. So I think it's broken down some barriers, some arbitrary silos that were there in the past. And and people, companies are, are being really forced to communicate and collaborate to the betterment, I believe, of supply chains and just society in general.
0: Yeah, and I kind of asked this earlier regarding to just general supply chains, but how do you think the future of health, the healthcare supply chain will change? I mean, obviously, even just like the introduction of masks to everyday life, probably, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, that has a huge impact already. Um, So in terms of the future, what can you say about that?
1: I think the healthcare supply chain is now asking questions and they're, they're trying to learn from what other supply chains are doing. So, you know, we talked earlier about multi-enterprise business networks. Generally speaking, not widely adopted within healthcare prior to COVID. Now they're, they're really investigating that. They're, there's this thirst for knowledge to understand how could this help me it, from a healthcare standpoint. So I think it's really been helpful That you know, they're willing and they understand the importance from really sharing the best practices that we've seen on the consumer side, you know, for many years,
0: yeah. And actually, I think that's um, maybe quite a good point to end on is um, just the thought that the future hopefully is kind of learning from maybe some of the mistakes that happened due to COVID. Um, so I'd like to say thank you so much for joining me today, Christine. And we covered like a huge range of topics actually. (laughs) And you offered some just fascinating insights. So I really hope our listeners enjoy it. Um, So yeah, thank you so much.
1: Emily, it has been a pleasure. Love talking to you. Happy to talk about supply chain at any point. So I hope you have a great day and look forward to seeing the published podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, maybe, you know, when this is all COVID has settled down a bit, maybe we can Kind of talk again about, you know, if our predictions were correct and if everything that you thought would happen did happen. That'd be really interesting, actually.
1: I would love it. A follow up would be great.
0: Awesome. <laughs>